When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So now Posey ranges away and Ballinger throws it so high. There are some intangibles that those projections failed to take into consideration. The crowd was going crazy. There's not much in life that's better than that. You're listening to Garlic Fries and Baseball Guys with Mark Willard and Joe Shasky on the 95.7 The Game Podcast Network. All right, it is the next episode of Garlic Fries and Baseball Guys with Joe Shasky and Mark Willard talking through all things Giants twice a week, as you know. And this is a special moment that we've been working toward uh, for some time and very, very excited to have the president of baseball operations for the team on with us, Farhan Zaidi. Hello, sir. Thank you so much for doing this. Uh, absolutely happy to do it. I, I don't think it's that special, but uh, I appreciate the sentiment. Yeah, no, well, we do. And so, uh, you know, darn it, we're in charge here on this one. You're in charge of everything else, but we're going to say it's special. Um, let, let's start with this. I mean, um, first of all, I wonder, you know, when you construct a roster like this year coming off of last year, it felt like a similar concept in terms of roster construction. And while it's been good, Obviously, things have not been as easy, uh, and I don't know if you would even use that word, but it has not been quite as obviously successful this year as last. So would you agree that it was a similar concept, and, and what's your assessment of, of what, you know, what, what the differences have been this year? Yeah, I think that's all totally fair. Uh, we spoke a lot in the offseason about wanting uh, some degree of continuity with the group given the success. Um, and I think that was more about the personnel than, you know, the roster construction model or anything like that. Um, obviously, the biggest task we had this offseason was, at least in our minds, was remaking the rotation, knowing, you know, we had a lot of free agents. And I was thinking about it this morning. I mean, we really signed six starting pitchers. Uh, we re-signed, you know, a couple of our own guys in Wood and Desclafani. We signed Rodon and Cobb. And, of course, we also signed Jake Junis and, and Matt Boyd, who we hope is back at some point. So that was some pretty heavy lifting. And on the position player side, you know, recognizing people would have um, liked to see a little more glitz and glamour. And I, I hear and read all that stuff. Uh, you know, we have a pretty deep roster. And, in fact, we've been so rarely fully healthy this season. The one time we were healthy, fully healthy, we, we had to trade Mauricio Dubon off the roster, which is something we didn't really want to do. So that speaks to what the roster would have looked like when fully healthy. And, you know, anybody else we added to that group, somebody else would have come off. And so that's where you can't always anticipate health and how 
that might impact things. And I'm sure we'll get into that a little bit more. But I do think it's fair to say we have the same model, the same construct, want to mix and match a little bit offensively. Um, and I think we do things pretty traditionally on the pitching side. And a lot of that meant um, kind of restabilizing the rotation with a lot of the free agents we had. You know, I'm looking at this team and, and heading into the year, Estrada, I mean, I didn't know he was going to be this productive. You know, Yastrzemski bouncing back looks fantastic. Luis Gonzalez coming out of nowhere. Um, is, is there a big surprise for you, though? Is there a guy or maybe an element of this team um, that's the biggest surprise thus far? That's a really good question. I mean, Luis Gonzalez is a really good one because he was obviously a guy who we liked the ability, but um, you just didn't know whether the opportunity would come. And frankly, you know, between Duggar and Wade and Belt, if we hadn't had some of these injuries, you know, Luis would have probably been in AAA this whole time. So again, that's sort of part of our model and our thinking is we are okay with creating opportunities for uh, younger players, for guys coming up in AAA. You know, some guys have 10 to 15 unproductive at-bats and they go back down. Other guys, um, you know, get off to a really good start and show something and put a lot of pressure on us to find a way to keep them up. So we like that model. We like doing things that way as opposed to going out and grabbing a veteran to patch a hole on the roster. Um, and again, <laughs> there are some guys who come up and take advantage. There are some guys um, who, who struggle and it's a shorter stint and, I think everybody understands that. And so he's he's a guy who really stands out for me as a really nice success story so far this season. Let's dive right into kind of what you're saying, because you've mentioned it a couple of times already, our model. And then you've also, we, we all know how aware you are of, of the fans saying, spend money, get big <laughs> names, let's go. So if you let us in on that a little bit, what is what is the model? And, yeah. and, and where do potential big names, if you will, fit into it, if at all. Yeah, I mean, so so getting back to what we were talking about on the position player side, we really felt like, if anything, we had room to add one bat, right? I mean, maybe some people would argue we should have moved some guys off the roster who were either out of options or already on contracts, um, but we liked the makeup of our team. We really had, like, one roster spot of wiggle room. Um, and we had a few guys on that list. And Jock was very high on that list. I mean, hmm. he's a guy who obviously I have familiarity with. Gabe has familiarity with. He's from the area. And honestly, I go back to when I interviewed for this job in whenever that was, October, November 2018. And, you know, in, in my presentation uh, to ownership, I kind of listed some players who I thought would be great targets, and, and he was right at the top of the list. Now, I hope he doesn't hear this and, and feel too flattered by it, but you know that's how uh, far back you know our interest, my interest in, in bringing Jock to San Francisco was. So, you know, he he had an interesting year last year. He won another ring. Um, it wasn't his best season on paper, and it wasn't a great free agent market for him. But that was one where it's like, hey, let let let's go get the player we want and let's not say we've got to spend at least X dollars. And, uh, you know, that's how uh, he wound up really being the primary bat that we added. And you compare him against the top free agents and he's right up, uh, right up there with them. So, you know, and, th and then the other point is we just don't like to totally jam up the roster and prevent, you know, a guy like Luis Gonzalez from getting the opportunity. And, 
um, you know, I, I guess to some degree, we've been fortunate pulling, you know, rabbits out of hats on some of these guys. In 2019, it was Yaz. In 2020, uh, it was a couple of guys, Darren Ruff, uh, you know, really came on in 2020. Last year was Lamont Wade. And, and, and this year we have Luis Gonzalez. And, and that doesn't, you know, those opportunities aren't created if, you know, you you go out and sign a bunch of free agents and you just have no wiggle room on your roster. So, um, you know, I, I, I get where <laughs> there are times we bring up a player and the questions are, who is this guy? And, you know, um, uh, you know, uh, uh, why don't we have more familiar names? But, you know, those are the guys who become the familiar names and have a chance to be here for a long time. So, um you know, I, you're right. I, I kind of default to that term model a little bit too much. I guess it's more of a philosophy than anything else. But it, it's really with the thought process of when we when somebody is able to get over that hump, um, you know, if we have the right support system, if we evaluate guys right, if we develop them right, they have a chance to be here for a really long time. I mean, Jock is having a great year, but it's a one year contract. And, you know, I think we'd love to bring him back. But uh you know, you just never know when a guy's going to be a free agent. But, um, you know, a guy like Yaz is going to be here for five or six years at least. And same is true for Lamont and Luis Gonzalez. And that's the kind of continuity that I think every team hopes to achieve. I guess the follow-up to that is from fans who say, like, okay, this is it's great to keep getting what, what we've started calling the Farhan fines. Uh, <laughs> right. that's, that, that's great. But is there a philosophical, uh, you know, uh, hesitancy is is there something against the idea of the very expensive long-term contract for a big name what, what what would be your response to that yeah not not at all and again i think um you know when you go back to this past off season um you know it wasn't about finding the best one-year deal for that position player it was about finding the player who we thought fit us best. So we had conversations about some of the guys who signed multi-year deals. And, um, you know, uh, again, I, I still think interestingly on the position player side, we run into a little bit of apprehension of guys about our ballpark, which is interesting because anybody on the ground knows that our ballpark has been pretty neutral over the last couple of years, whether it's, um, you know, the ball or moving the fences in, you know, the whole moving the fence thing, it was a huge deal and now nobody talks about right. it, um, <laughs> but it really has made a big impact. Um, and then, you know, I've got my own little climate change uh, theory out there uh, because I think about when I was with the A's and I used to come over, you know, when we were playing the Giants and I couldn't sit outside for more than an inning or two. I would always be freezing and, the fact that we have a lot of evening games where the conditions are, are you know, where I can last more than an inning or two outside. Yeah. I think we've seen the ball carries better. I mean, and the ball's carried better, better over the last three or four years. So um, you know, that's another thing we deal with on the position player side is really selling guys on coming here for the long term. And, and I think there are those concerns that still exist about the park, which I think mm -hmm. this organization has dealt with for a long time. But not at all. I mean, I, I think we're, we're always willing to do um, a, a longer term deal for the right player if it's the right fit. 
you know, it, it, I appreciate your candor on the on the free agency, maybe their apprehension of, of playing in this ballpark. So, like me as a Giants fan, I pivot to the all right. Well, what about our farm system? Like, what about all our young guys? And I think the beauty of last year, you had all the vets and the the holdovers, that homegrown infield, for example, and then you mixed in a lot of young guys, and you saw a quantum leap from a Logan Webb, and you saw Doval yeah. kind of come out of nowhere. And then I'm sitting here looking at Joey Barton. I'm like, wow, salivating over Joey, you know, getting drafted number two overall. And it, and it hasn't been a straight line of success. How do you guys, you know, assess where he's at right now? And and how do you get him to get over that hump? Yeah. You know, I think that there's a, a whole class of young players who are still finding their footing in their careers after the COVID season of 2020. And I think he's really the quintessential example of that. We talked that whole spring training on how this is a guy who had less than 100 at-bats above A-ball, and he wasn't ready. And then he went and had a great camp, and he was tearing the cover off the ball at the alternate site. And then our boy Buster Posey opted out. And, you know, it was just this sequence of events that led to like, hey, let's 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 give this guy a try. And under normal circumstances, personally, there's no way I would ever bring up a young player who had that little upper, upper level experience to the big leagues. Um, I think we said that over and over again until, you know, we were having struggles at the catcher position. He was playing great at the alternate site. Um, and, uh, you know, to some degree, I think it was, you know, my failure to not create a different alternative for us. You know, I mean, if we had, you know, a, a door number two to open uh, to fill that catching position, Maybe we would have gone that way and and kept Joey at the alternate site. But I think that season coming up, struggling the way he did, which is no secret. Um, uh, on the one hand, I think it was a development experience for him. I think he's a lot more comfortable in the big leagues now, which we see. But there's just no substitute for upper level reps if you're a hitter going through the progression of high A to double A to triple A to the big leagues. And a lot of times you're up and down you know, between just AAA and the big leagues before you master it. So I think his development arc has been disrupted again, like it's been for a lot of young players. And, you know, you're a point now where you're seeing some of those struggles continue, where if he had gotten, you know, if in 2020, he'd spent the whole year in AAA, and if 2021, he'd been up and down and, and gotten a little bit more experience, maybe we're seeing smoother sailing right now. But, you know, as our coaches have said, as Cap has said, this guy's been an absolute trooper. He's doing a great job defensively and he's just fighting through it offensively. I mean, offense is down all around the league. And I think when you look at catching in particular, I think he's still kind of hovering in the vicinity of league average offensive production for a catcher. So I think we try to put those things in context. But again, I think he's just had an unusual past two or three years. And I, and I think that's impacted his development a little.